0: Oh, there we go. Now that I've blasted you out of your seats. It is great to have everybody here. Happy New Year. I have to say, I missed seeing everybody. I know it's kind of nice sometimes to be able to take a couple weeks and jump online, but I absolutely missed being able to be together with all you guys. And so I am so happy to see all your faces and that we can be together this morning. And uh, so I hope you are happy to be here, too, and settling in. Well, this morning is the first day of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so uh, I thought of bringing butter tarts, but then I was like, well, that's probably not very fair. (laughs) I know, because we need them out of our house. So I was like, maybe I'll bring them to church. I was like, that's not very nice to do, is it? So anyways, I hope you guys are ready for this amazing 21 days that we're going to have together and I absolutely love this time of year because I see God do so many things in my life and so many things in our life as a church body and I'm excited for what he has for us this this coming fast as well. I just wanted to let you know that the service this morning is going to be a little bit unique. As we go into our 21 days of prayer and fasting we're going to be talking about different types of prayer and things like that and so this morning we're going as we talk we're going to be actually breaking the message up into three portions And in between those three portions, we're going to do a couple songs. And so just so you know, it's going to be a little bit different, uh, and I'm excited. It's going to be a really sweet time of worship together and just learning and growing. And so I wanted to make you aware of that as we go into this. Well, we are going to open up in prayer this morning, Uh, so let's posture our hearts before the Lord, ready for what he has for us this morning. Father, you are so good, and you deserve all our praise and more. Thank you. Thank you for the many ways you have blessed us, and for watching over us. We want to experience your presence and your love in a fresh way today, Jesus. We thank you that you and your mercies are new every day. We thank you for who you are and all you have done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's stand and worship together. This
1: is my firm foundation.
2: To make god our cornerstone in our lives don't we that everything that we build on in our lives is built on him well welcome back happy new year has everybody uh started their new year's resolutions put up your hand if you've got a new year's resolution yeah not a lot right not a lot COVID kind of rested us up, didn't it? You get to the new year and you're like, it doesn't feel like I'm in a new year anymore. Kind of threw us all off. But every year in January, uh, as a church, if you're new to our church or if, if you haven't been around t- too long, we choose January to do something what we call as we fix our first. And what we mean by that, it's a term that we use often here. You'll, you'll probably hear us use that, fix our first or something along those lines. It's this. It's just to ensure our top priority, right? That's what we're fixing our first. We're try- making sure that we fix our first priority, and we fix our first by following Jesus afresh at the outset of every new year. And we do this by committing to uh, prayer and fasting as individuals and collectively, right? And, and I know that sometimes our, our New Year's resolutions and things like that, they can come and go and we can, we can commit. We can go to the gym for five days and then, you know, I regret paying for our membership for the rest of all the time that we have that membership, all those sort of things, right? And keep forgetting to cancel our membership and everything like that because we know we're not going to go back, all that sort of stuff. But when it comes to our prayer and fasting time, Again, what it is, it's a focus on us going, again, this year, I want to make sure that what I build this year, what I'm focused on this year is firmly set on Christ and Christ alone. And that we're going to hear lots of things in our lives. We're going to hear lots of news. We're going to hear lots of ideas, concepts, ideologies that we, we uh, are tempted to live by. And every year, we just want to keep resetting and saying, man, I want to live another year where how I live and what I focus on is from God and God alone. Everything else is going to come and go, but God is going to remain the same, and so that's what I want to base my life on. And so what, is, what do we mean when we talk about fasting and taking some time to fast at the beginning of the new year? Well, fasting, we would, we would often describe it as this. Fasting is giving up something we love for someone we desire to be like even more, Okay. That's how we, we interpret and, and walk through fasting here at Life Center. Now, and again, this is for someone that we desire to be like even more. So that kind of, you know, takes out all of our natural people and, and things like that. You can't you decide to fast because you want to become more like your hockey hero or anything like that. It's not going to work, right? This only really works when we're talking about our relationship with God as far as Honing in our focus on who God is in our lives and how we follow him and with any type of fast Involving food before we even get deeply into our fast here at Life Center If if you have health issues that make fasting Like potentially unique for you make sure you consult your doctor on that uh, So that you just don't dive in and go "Oh, I'm gonna give up all this stuff and then um, and then it, it recklessly uh, put your own um, health at danger. So make sure if you do that, uh, you, you take into those, those things into consideration. That's the first for me this year because of my adrenal glands being off. I have to make sure I, when I fast that I still keep my blood sugars levels up so I don't go into some type of adrenal shock and, you know, freak out my whole family and everything like that. So no need to do that. So I'll just make sure that as I fast, I take that into account. Because faith isn't being foolish, right, or reckless. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, so we want to treat it well, right? We don't want to be reckless with it or harmful to it in order to uh, somehow think that we are following the ways of God. So what are different types of fasts that we would, we would potentially look at? Well, we call, what we call a corporate fast is just joining with other followers of Jesus for a specific purpose. And so that's part of what we're doing as a congregation, as Life Centers. All together, we're saying we all want to follow Jesus and make sure that our firsts are fixed on him and that this year, as a community, we're focused on what Jesus has for us, right? And that that's above and beyond. So that's what we're doing corporately. Uh, Another type of fast is called the full fast, where you don't eat any food, I know, that's, that sounds pretty hard, right? And all you're doing is consuming liquids. Maybe you do some like, some broths and things like that, but um, and you're doing that for a speci- specific period of time, right? There's another fast that's called a partial fast and where you fast all food for specific uh, times throughout the day. It's, it's often incorporated into different people's workout regimes and things like that where they do intermittent fasting as far as part of their fitness routine and part of that just comes from the idea of fasting so you fast from like sunrise to sunset which is a which is a very common thing so through that time frame you don't eat anything and you just have small meals before and after uh, and then there's a selective fast and that's where it's kind of uh, what we'd call maybe you've heard of the fast called the Daniel fast right and that just comes from uh, Daniel in, in the Old Testament and where when he was in, in, in captivity and he didn't want to eat all the rich foods of the, the kingdom that he was in. He wanted to, to stay, stay more lean and clean with how he ate and didn't want to indulge in all the foods that would have been offered to their, their gods and everything like that. He chose to eat, eat a very clean vegetarian uh, diet and no rich foods, no sugars and sweets and everything like that. So often people will do a Daniel fast—you avoid meat and, like I said, all the sweets and treats for a specific amount of time. And during a Daniel fast, you n- normally consume things like rice and and beans, lentils, vegetables, fruits, and then again, like avoid the meats and stuff. And then something different that sometimes some p- people will often include in a fast, but technically, when we look at it, or at least when I look at it, I would say it's a little bit separate. Is uh, more abstaining, and that would be things like sometimes people go like, oh, for my fast, I'm going to give up watching TV or something like that. And I would say technically that's not a fast. Fasting usually is, is, is really about your food, right, and about, about your nutrition. Abstaining is in the same category as, as, as far as fasting goes, but it would be slightly different, and I encourage you to potentially try both or include both. Uh, because oftentimes we, we stop one and we just fill it with something else, don't we? We say like, oh, I'm not going to eat, but I need something to occupy my mind. So then I'll make sure I'm scrolling or doing something else that I enjoy doing to take my mind off of the fact that I'm hungry or I'm not, I'm not enjoying the foods that I normally would. And so I often encourage for people when they are doing fasting to abstain as well, uh, maybe cut down on things like social media or entertainment or things that you would normally do uh, that are just for pleasure, All right? They, they, they serve no purpose than pleasure to maybe cut some of those things out in order to, again, fixed, fix our priorities and our, our, and our purpose first on God. Right, and prioritize first God, then everything else, just for this season. So I encourage you to try fasting, and if possible, add in some abstaining. And for Jesus, uh, fasting is, is directly tied to prayer. And so for us, that's why we call this season a season of prayer and fasting. Uh, the, the spiritual practice of fasting for us must also include and be linked to prayer. Because when we look at Jesus and we say, what did he tell us about prayer and fasting? What did he talk to us? In Matthew 6, right in the middle of his big sermon on the mount where he's talking and it takes up a whole bunch of chapters right there in Matthew, uh, there's a connection that he makes between, in the chapter between charity and prayer and fasting. He talks about all three and he uses the same language to talk about them. How each one is to be done in humility, right? Each one is to be done in secrecy right? Each one is supposed to be done in unnoticeable ways. And it echoes the prophet Isaiah in chapter 58 of his book, where he describes what a fast that is acceptable to God, a fast that God says is the required fast, right? Jesus speaks of fasting like this. He says, whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, right? He doesn't want us to be like, oh, I'm gonna fast, I'm so weak, oh, it's so hard, and tell everybody that you're fasting, oh, I can't do that because I'm fasting, and, and you're, 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 t- you're making it like a good thing, like, look at me, I'm so good, I'm being clean, and every, I'm setting myself right, and he's just like, don't even, don't talk about it, make sure you look like you would normally look, you know, if you're a little bit paler, you know, put on some makeup I, I'm not going to put on makeup. But, you know, look your best. Don't go around going like, oh, fasting, I got to go, woe is me. Look nice and neat, right? For they disfigure their faces so, they're fast, so that their fasting is obvious to people. We don't want to be like that. So truly, I tell you, they have their reward. Just the reward of people going, oh, they're, they're fasting. That's the end of their reward for doing it. And I don't want to see anyone of us short-circuited because... Of our choices to fast, because that changes our, our priority of putting God first it is cut off right there. But when you fast, put on your oil on your head because that's how they slicked their hair back and everything like that. So you can use whatever hair products you use or don't use, whichever it is. Wash your face so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but your to your father uh, in who who is in secret again, secret. God knows. Nobody, you don't need to tell everybody else here what you're fasting, you know, what you're doing and what your regimen is. If somebody's like, I right, I don't know what to do. I'm new at this. I've never done this before. And you've done fasting as a regular practice, feel free to share like, hey, these are some of my experiences that I've done with that. But again, it's more just like don't use this as a broadcasting moment to be talk about your piety towards God. Um, Because your father who sees in secret will reward you. And our reward in this case is being close to God and knowing God's priorities and plans and purposes for our lives, being set and secure and having him as our cornerstone this year. And there's a connection between our fasting and our actions. We don't fast and let everyone know, and we shouldn't, fast and pretend like nothing is different i know it's it's like we put on like nothing's happening but we don't pretend like nothing is different and just go on with our lives like our fasting is there but it it doesn't it's just stuck in a little compartment rather we should let our fasting and our abstaining redirect our focuses to god and his kingdom which is why jesus uh, tied it into giving it to our generosity towards other our charity to our prayer and our fasting he tied all three together because he's like when you're When you're praying and you're fasting, it should affect your kingdom behavior. There's no way that you can start focusing more on God and not have effect on how you do your everyday life, how you're generous towards others, how you're compassionate towards others. It should have an effect. And so you do all those things in secret and in humility before God. Fasting is, again, is also, like I said, combined with prayer because it opens our ears to hear Jesus because we need him. We're saying our, our natural things that we need, our food and our, the things that we use in our life, we, we're, we're withholding them from ourselves to say, God, as much as I need food, I need you more. Food is great for a day, but I need you for eternity. It opens our, ear, our eyes to see Jesus and what he's doing, his kingdom around us. It produces a spiritual resiliency because we're forcing ourselves to endure something, so it produces a resiliency in ourselves to say, when I go through hard things, I know that I can stay focused on Christ. And it helps us die to ourselves, the flesh that says, I want what I want when I want it. I want that bag of chips at night, and so I'm going to open that bag of chips at night. And then it becomes like a nightly routine of, of doing those things or whatever your, your simple vice may be but it gives us a discipline over our flesh and it sets us up to abide in the supernatural presence of God. And prayer can sometimes be intimidating though. How do we pray? How do we take 21 days and just say, I'm going to focus this on praying to God? It can be intimidating. What's this supposed to look like uh, during that time? Over the next few weeks on Sundays, we'll be talking through and walking through a few different ways we can pray uh, during the season some have been used for centuries as far as uh, believers focusing on God and using it as a regular template for them to, to um, put their, their time before God. And so we encourage you to try them for a week. Some of them you probably have maybe have never have heard of or in, are not really focused on for yourself, but we encourage you to try them just for one week blocks at a time. So today we'll talk about one, and we encourage you, to try it out this week. Use it in your daily regimen, in your daily routine. And then next week, we'll talk about another that we'd encourage you to try out as well. See if there's some specific elements in what we do, what we say, uh, perhaps that maybe help you in your everyday walk with God, be closer to Him. Now, Church of the Highlands developed an e-book on prayer called Pray First. And with permission, we've adapted it a little bit for ourselves. And the models that we're going to be teaching are Are in that book and you can download it at lifecenter.org slash 21 days it's just a a small PDF if you want to do that and then you'll be able to follow along with everything we're doing you'll see uh, recaps and and understandings of all the different prayers and a few more in there that you can potentially use during the season but that's at lifecenter.org slash 21 days and remember uh, in fasting or in developing spiritual rhythms, we're prioritizing fixing our focus on His presence. That's what's important. Not your perfection in it, okay? Not your perfection in it. You may be at work and somebody brings in timbits and you walk by and you grab a timbit and you put it in your mouth and before you know it, you're like, what am I doing? I'm on a fast. It doesn't mean your fast is broken and the whole time is wasted and useless. It's not about your perfection. It's about His presence. Okay? So just remember that as you go through the season that we'll focus on His presence in our life, not our our perfection in executing. We're going to worship it again.
0: Would you stand with us as we sing a few more songs?
2: Seated. So in our service now, we've kind of set our mood and our set of our attitude towards God, that He reigns, that we're going to fix our priority on Him, fix our first on Him. And now let's dive into what we can, how we can worship God and we can uh, pray to God. The first model that we're going to talk about in our series is called the tabernacle model. And if you're not familiar with it, the tabernacle was something in the Old Testament that was God's dwelling place among his people before there was a temple built in Jerusalem when the people of Israel were wandering in the desert. And uh, before they established Jerusalem as, as uh, their capital city and built their temple there, they had a, ta- they had a tabernacle, which was a, a large tent structure that was used for worship for the whole nation of Israel. So much so that it was like the spoke around all the tribes as they would in like kind of like pie sections all around the uh, tabernacle. They would all live. And at the center of it was the tabernacle, the center of their life, the center of their worship, the center of how they lived. It was built to God's specifications. He gave them directions on what to, how to build it and what it was to look like. And it was where God met his people. As they entered the tabernacle, they intentionally experienced God's presence and the reality of their relationship with God through the seven different symbols and stages that they would go through. And today, we no, not, we no longer need a physical tabernacle to meet uh, God, but the same steps can help us connect t- with him. And this prayer model guides you through each station of the tabernacle and uses the purpose of each station to guide your prayers and to guide your time with God. And it starts with the outer court. That was the first part, a big tent area all the way around what would, would be the inner, the inner court and the inner tent. And in that outer court, it is a place of thanksgiving and gratitude and of praise towards God because that's where all the people in general would enter Psalms 100, verses 4 and 5 says, "Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good; his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations." We can enter into that court, that outer court. We can enter into it with thanksgiving and praise. Why? Because God is faithful. No matter your circumstances, no matter what you're going through and what you think right now, God is faithful. He is loving and good. He is then, He is now, and He forevermore will be. Our circumstances are so temporary and in the grand scheme of things, God being with us is so much richer and more real than what feels like the most important things right now. So what... As we incorporate this into our prayer times this week, the outer court could represent for you in your prayer time a place to reflect on how blessed you really are. To write a list, journal about all the things that you have or that God has given you or walked you through, all the blessings and and, uh, things that you have, write them down and take time to reflect on what God has done for you. Reflect on your gratitude towards God. So that as you enter the gates, you can do so with thanksgiving. As you can enter into your time with God, you can really uh, thank Him and have that attitude towards Him. In that outer court, uh, there was something called a brazen altar, okay? And that brazen altar in the Old Testament, that's where everyone in Israel had to come to present animal sacrifices to atone for their sins, And the reason why they brought an animal was because it represented the giving of life, the lifeblood that was in them that had to atone for the death penalty that sin puts on all of us. And on a regular basis, they would atone for their sin by giving of that lifeblood. And they used the animal to represent their own lifeblood because obviously you you can't sacrifice yourself to atone for yourself and then keep living. And God had made a way through that uh, manner. But in the New Testament, Jesus becomes that final and complete atonement that's required for humanity's sin. Meaning no longer do we have to keep going back and back and back to say, I need to atone for my sin because I'm not in good standing with you anymore. When we call on Jesus to be our atonement once and for all, he covers us by his grace. With sin, Jesus does two things. Because... Because God will never condone sin. He will never bless sin or accept sin. Because of that, there needs to be atonement. And what Jesus does is two things. He forgives and he frees. He forgives our sin and he frees us from the debt and from the bondage of that sin. But God never forgets or overlooks unrepented sin in our lives, in our families, our churches, our cities or nations. Those things are still there, and God sees them and knows them. He may forget, and, uh, forget our sins and forgive our sins as far as the east is from the west, but when we don't bring them to him, they still stand before us. And so what we need to do is what Matthew says or in, in verse, three, verse chapter 3, verse 8. He says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. What does that mean to bear fruit in keeping with repentance? It means that this, that as we confess, if there's no turning from our sin, no change in our behavior, there's no fruit in that repentance. To say, I'm sorry I did that, I'm so sorry I did that, but then not change your behavior means there's no fruit in saying I I repent or I, I, I confess of what I've done. There's no fruit. The fruit of your repentance is a changed life in keeping with that repentance, saying, I once was walking this way, I no longer will go that way, I'm going this way. I once was treating people like this, I no longer will treat people like that. I once was a liar, I once was this, I no longer will do that, I will be a person of peace and love. You know, it's changing your behavior. It has to bear fruit. So in your prayer first book, there are five benefits of the cross that you may wish to pray through that help you understand this. But so far we've come through the outer gates and into that outer court. And we see the brazen altar there where sacrifices need to be made to atone for sin. And you can expect after that was something what's called the laver. And basically, that is a big bowl where they would be able to wash themselves and purify themselves after giving the sacrifice. Because after that sacrifice, you can imagine, you need it to be made clean again. A reminder of how conviction and repentance and atonement, they're costly and they're messy. How conviction and confession are critical to our lives with God. As one washes their hands in this, this bowl, as so to, con- so to confessions from repentance to forgiveness, it's this cleansing action for our souls. As they had made their atonement on the altar and then cleansed their hands after having to, to, to kill the animal and, and let out its blood, they then washed their hands to purify themselves from this. In checking our heart and our motives and surrendering our lives to Jesus, it's an important part of our daily prayer, to take the step to confess your sin to God. Yes, when we give our lives to Christ and we say, God, I need I need you, Jesus, to be my covering over my sin and my brokenness in my life. Yes, we do accept what God does for us, but there's also the confession of our sins just to name them and say, God, you know what I've done. You know this, and I need to repent from it. I need to confess my sin to you and not just say, well, you covered it on the cross way back when. I don't need to talk about it. You don't need to talk about it. We just pretend like it never happened. We can't do that. We need to continually confess our sins to him. And sometimes we need to pray about whether we need to confess our sins to someone else. Maybe we've wronged somebody else and we need to make right with them. Or maybe we need to confess to somebody else in, in our faith community in order to see the freedom that we need, All right? Because then we know that somebody else uh, can hold us to account and keep us in the light and not let our sin stay in that darkness. Galatians five, twenty-five to 26 says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited in provoking one another and envying one another. When we wash ourselves in that laver, when we make ourselves clean before him, we live uh, with that fruit of repentance and we live in a way that is pure before him. Following that laver, the next step would be to walk past the candlestick or what's often called, you might know, the name of a menorah, all right? And that piece was in... Uh, was also in the tabernacle and it was a seven-branched golden candlestick or lampstand and each of the little bowls there would be oil in it with a a wick that would be lit at all times every day the priest would go in and light that make sure the candles were lit and for us that means that Jesus is the light of the world that he is that light for us that that candlestick, that that menorah represents for us a the light that Jesus is for us. It also represents the Holy Spirit that is the fire of God in us. And it represents that God the Father is the Father of lights. In John 1 verse 5, it says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So in our prayer time, we focus on know that God is our light. As Jesus calls us, to be his light amidst the world's darkness. Before the church's birth, there were 120 disciples in an upper room waiting for a promise from Jesus, for a light. When the Holy Spirit filled all who were in that house and the tongues of fire appeared, signifying that we can't do what God has called us to do without his supernatural power and leading. 120 disciples, they didn't build the church on their own. They didn't just go, okay, we got this on our own. He showed us what to do. Now we can just do this in our own strength. They were specifically told to wait until they have the power of the Holy Spirit in them in order to do what God had called them to do. So in your prayer time, invite the Holy Spirit to fill you afresh that, that day, each day for what he has for you to do. After passing the menorah, there would be a table of showbread. And there would be 12 loaves of bread on the table in the tabernacle. And each bread represented one of the tribes of Israel, and there's obviously 12 tribes. And it showed the importance of God's word for us as our daily bread, as our sustenance in our daily lives. God is provider. He is our sustainer. Jesus told us that he was what? The bread of life for us, right? His word becomes a source of understanding to us when we eat his words. Jesus, uh, having said that, he knew what we would need, right? In Joshua 1.8, we can even read this. It says, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it on, you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. When we eat God's word, when we take it as our daily bread, which is where that little devotional book got its, its name from, we take it and we devour God's word for our living because again, our spiritual life is so essential to us. So what does that mean? In your prayer time, in your devotional time, make sure you're following a Bible reading plan or you have, you have a devotional that you're going through or that you're listening to God's Word and you're allowing it to soak into your life. Maybe we'll take off the, the, uh, the music playlist on Spotify or Apple Music or whatever you listen to and instead have Scripture Uh, audibly playing for you so you just hear God's word and it becomes that becomes what you're you're listening to and absorbing and eating each day and as we say in the Lord's prayer right give us this day our daily bread more than just physical bread but that spiritual bread through God's word let's worship again uh, as we just reflect on God being our source
1: Deserve the glory.
2: forget that it can be so easy to have that crowded out that you are worthy of it all may our hearts find that posture every day before you that you are worthy of it all amen there's a line in that song that was repeated over and over again and Maybe you found that it was like, wow, we're singing this line over and over and over and over again, and it gets a little too repetitive when we sing day and night, night and day, let incense arise. They can feel like maybe in that song is too repetitive. Now let me tell you this: that that next part of the tabernacle was this. It was the altar of incense it was just a small altar where there's burning incense stood at the entrance of the holy of holies where god's presence dwelt and smoke of the incense would rise and dissipate it was the symbol of the prayers of god's people rising up to god and david would say this let my prayer be counted as incense before you and the lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifice you know John in his revelation of heaven in the in the book Revelation he would speak of seeing angels holding golden bowls and he would describe it and say in them was incense rising and it was the prayers of the people What a beautiful thing to say that we see in a tabernacle, the incense rising to God. And then in John's revelation of heaven, he sees incense rising and it's the prayers of God's people. When we pray, it becomes an incense in God's presence. A beautiful incense before God, our worship to him. Prayer becomes that. It's so beautiful. So as you pray, play a favorite worship song. Let your prayer become worship to God. Pray with God creatively. Allow it just to become a part of who you are. Or maybe you, you write out your prayers and you script them and you, you, you recite them before God. Maybe you, you imagine them rising up to God in heaven In those bowls of incense and it fills you with the awe and wonder of how that can be that our prayers can become incense in his presence day and night night and day speaks again of something else we hear in scripture right that we're supposed to what pray without ceasing day and night night and day Our heart should be in an attitude of communicating with God, of lifting our voice to God, bringing our every concern before God, great or small, bring it to Him. And it goes as an incense to Him. It's a beautiful thing. It was the last thing before the Holy of Holies. There was an inner tent inside the bigger tent of the tabernacle structure. In God's presence dwelt within the Holy of Holies. And in God's presence, once a year on Yom Kippur, the priest would atone for the sin of Israel and all who called on God, sprinkling blood on the mercy seat there. And Jesus became that atoning for us, ripping the veil has separated God's holiness from us that we now through though we make intercession though for those who still need to call on God's mercy seat that veil was torn to allow us access to God's presence but there's so many that don't do not have that access today because they do not call on God they do not call on his mercy and so we make intercession for them our prayers going before them become that intercession before them intercession is praying from what is to what could be if god moved and those we are praying for receive god's presence in their life or a particular area of their life in god's presence because you are the tabernacle you are the dwelling place of god his holy spirit is in you his presence resides in you pray for your family pray for the church pray for our city for our country for relationships for circumstances and situations that God's presence would be made real in those places that your your prayer would go up as incense before God and in that moment God's presence would become real in those places so again, the elements of our tabernacle prayer are this, their thanksgiving, their conviction, their confession, right, their empowerment, their scripture and worship, and then their intercession. As we walk through the tabernacle and all of its elements, the outer courts, the brazen altar, the laver, the, the menorah, the candlestick, and then the bowl of incense and the holy of holies, it acts as a template of us approaching God and of worshiping God, of understanding our position with God and then making intercession for those who have not yet walked into that relationship with him. And it can be beautiful when we do so. We can be so grateful that Jesus has made a path for us to enter into God's presence so freely. But we can also remember that Jesus was the fulfillment of the law that we could never fulfill. The tabernacle worship is meaningful because it is how God had humanity approach him as broken and sinful people that we are. And Jesus becoming the ultimate sacrifice allows us entry. And we can still reflect and worship at each station as Jesus became the perfect, consummate covering in each area. He is our thanksgiving. He is our atonement. He is our washing. He is our light. He is our bread. His work ushers the Holy Spirit to dwell in us. This week, because you are free in Christ, try adding this structure to your prayer life. And if you haven't yet accepted Jesus, it's as simple as that, saying, Jesus, I know that I need you. I know that I am lost and broken without you. And I need you to be my covering, my savior. It's as simple as that. And then like we talked about earlier, when we confess our sin, we want to bear fruit with repentance and go and walk in a different way than we were before. And if you've yet to choose that path, I encourage you to do so today. Next week, we're going to be looking at uh, using prayer, using scripture in our prayers today we're gonna finish our service here uh, with communion and then a song. So if you have not received your communion elements and you wanna participate, you can just stick up your hand and maybe one of our ushers at the back will be able to find you and give you a communion element if you don't have one. But if you have one, you can pull out your communion element today. We're doing this at the end of our service today Understanding that as we approach in tabernacle prayer and worship, as we approach him, we, we know where we stand with him. We know that we know that God has covered us. And when we approach his mercy seat, Jesus has done everything to make us right with God. And the tradition set by Christ to proclaim the, uh, in the, the gift of his grace, forgiveness, forgiveness, and peace, and to take hold of and cling to the depth and breadth of God's transforming love for us. We do so today at the beginning of our fast, reflecting on the tabernacle, worship, and prayer. What we have received from the Lord, we also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me and let us take part of the bread. In the same way, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You proclaim that on that altar that atonement was needed, you proclaim that his death covers your atonement until we are reunited with Christ. And we want to proclaim that. We want to proclaim that what Jesus has done for us covers our sin. We want to remember that and hold it close to our hearts so that we know that we don't live in our own strength but through Christ. Let us partake. God, we thank you. We thank you for what you've done for us that allows us to enter into your presence, God that makes a way for us in our brokenness and our sin and all our unworthiness to approach the God of the universe. What you've done makes a way for us. It's simple, it's elegant, but it costs you everything. But you did so because you love us. God, may we not forget it. And during this time of prayer and fasting that we take as a church, may it lead us and guide us to be close to you, to fix our first on you, that you become our first priority in everything. In our work, in our marriage, in our relationships with our children, with our community, everything we do, that you prioritize and you lead all of it. We just thank you in advance for what we know you're going to do when we put our our first and fix our first on you. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. We have one more worship song for us to just contemplate and reflect on what God has done before. Uh, Pastor Ingrid will come and close our service.
0: we cannot get on our own.